If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with us to the book of Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 through 17. 2 Samuel 11, verses 1 through 17. 17 verses is a, a lot to read, but I, want, I do want to read it. It is a very sad story about a man of God. So don't think just because we're saved that we are immune to all the sin that uh, around us, even this morning. It's a sad story, but I want you to listen to it. Second Samuel chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. And it came to pass after the year was ended, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rebbe. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass at eventime that David arose from his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her. And she came in unto him. And he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness. And she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. And David sent to Joab saying, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. And when Uriah was come upon unto him, David commanded of him how Joab did and how the people were doing and how the war was prospering. And David sent to Uriah, go down to the house. And wash thy, thy feet. And Uriah departed out of king's house, and there followed him a present. But Uriah door of the king's house, and all the servants of his lord, and went not down to his house. And when they had told David, saying, Uriah went not down into his house, David said unto Uriah, Camest thou not from thy journey? Why then didst thou not go down unto thy house? And Uriah said unto David, The ark and Israel and Judah abide in tents. And my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go unto mine house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife? As thou livest and as thy soul liveth, I will not do this thing. And David said unto Uriah, Tarry here today and also and tomorrow I will let thee go. I will let thee depart. So Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day and the next. And when David had called him, he, he did eat and drank with him. And he made him drunk. And in the evening he went out to lie on his bed with the servants and of his Lord, but went not down to his house. And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. 
And he wrote a letter saying, Set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle, and retire ye from him that he may be smitten and die. And it came to pass that Joab observed the, observed the city, and he assigned Uriah unto the place where he knew that valiant men were. And the, and the men of the city went out and fought with Joab. There fell some of the people and of the servants of David. And Uriah the Hittite died also. Father, I pray that you'd speak to us through your holy word today. God, I pray that you would strengthen and encourage all of us. All of us men, Lord, that we keep our eyes where they're supposed to be. That we keep our ears where they're supposed to be. That we keep the right attitude, Lord. And that we would look to you when we're tempted. That you would help us to overcome the temptation. Lord, bless our people now in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Life is tough. Life is hard. And we think sometimes life just is not fair. You see, David was out of place, a man after God's own heart, a writer of the Psalms. He was the king. He was in charge. But the Bible says in the year that that the kings went forth to fight, kings, David made a choice, and it was a bad choice. He made a choice to stay at home. And so Joab, which we read in the scripture, he was a commanding officer here. Uriah He was simply an obedient soldier uh, of the army. And Bathsheba was just simply being obedient to the king. And David, well, the king sends for Uriah to come home on furlough. You see, from the very moment that he chose to stay home, his troubles began. And even though he didn't realize it, he was stepping down further and further away from God. And it cost him. It cost him because he was out of place. It's so important today that we be found in our place. You see, the modern day of sin is disturbing to me. I don't know about you. But the modern view of sin is not only disturbing, it's humorous to some people. The Bible says in Proverbs uh, 14, 9, fools make mockery of sin. They're doing it. You know any fools? I do. I know some fools. They make, they make fun of sin. So ain't that cute? Hey, from the time a little child comes out of their mother's body, they need to be starting discipline right then. Right then. Because first thing you know, they're, they're crawling and they're getting into things. And you say, uh-uh, and they'll stop and they'll look and they'll go for it again. Seeing how far they can go. Discipline must start when they're young. You can't wait till they're old. The Bible don't say train up a child when he's old. Train up a child when they're, when they're young. You see, um, people uh, used to say and still say, well, the devil made me do it. Well, that's the truth. He did. He entices us. He tricks us. And when we think of him, let me tell you something. He is a cheat. He is a liar. The Bible says he is the father of liars. Um, You know, the the modern day uh, view of sin is the upward stumble of man on his way to what he thinks is success. Success. Uh, 
It's disturbing to me when I think of what, uh, what people are doing. The Bible is plain and spoken to all of us as God's children. It says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. It says the wages of sin is death. But it also says whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, when I think of this disturbing story here, um, you know, well, people say, well, so what? You know, I can get forgiveness. One of these days, I'm going to do better. One of these days, I'm going to straighten up. One of these days, Jesus is coming back. And it's going to be too late to straighten up. It's going to be too late to get it right. You see, um, James 1.15 says, sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. Now, you know, let's, let's just say this. What if there were no fire in hell? What if there was no pain in hell? What if there was no outer darkness in hell? What if, what if there was no lake of fire in hell? Let me tell you something. Just to be separated from God from all time and eternity would be hell enough. You know, right now, we as Christians, okay, we as saved people can call upon our God anytime we want to, right? Okay. We as backslidden Christians can call on God anytime we want to, right? For any of you who are in here today and are lost, you can call on God. He says to call on him. If the spirit moves you, you need to call on him. The Bible also says that the spirit of God will not always Strive with me. Saved and lost. He said he won't always do it. Call upon him while he is near. Call upon him while he is available to us. And when, when I think about that, you know, the devil is, is not happy with saved folk. Now, he's happy with the lost. He's not after the lost, y'all. He is after the saved. If he can cause us to stumble, if he can cause us to go astray, that's all he wants. That's all he wants. They've always been lost people in the world. They've always been people breaking the law, and they always will be until Jesus comes back. And once he comes back, all that stuff is going to be over. It's going to be over with. And so when we think about this, there are some consequences. Now, Sometimes we don't think that they are. You say, well, you know... I've been doing this a long time. Well, I can say the same thing. Let me tell you something. God will get around to you and me eventually. Garden time's over with. It's time to start putting fall stuff in. But you know what? The weeds, they, 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 some weeds grow all season. They're there in the spring. They're there in the summer. They're there in the fall. They're there in the winter. And it's just amazing to me what grows that I did not plant. I mean, it's amazing. I'm thinking, surely to goodness, you know, God put this weed here. Surely to goodness it's good for something. Well, you know, land's never had boiled weeds for supper, so, you know, we, <laughs> we don't eat weeds. But, hey, they're everywhere, and so is sin. We don't have to, listen, we do not have to be engaged in sin. It's there, it's available for us. It's always been and it always will be. But we don't have to be engaged in it. Let me tell you something. Some consequences of sin. It'll lead to unoccupied saints. You know what an unoccupied saint is? It is Satan's prey. 
Bible says, in the year that kings went forth to battle, David stayed at home, unoccupied in his troops, in his army. He stayed at home. You see, Satan's greatest prey is every Christian who is unoccupied in something, doing something for the God. Sometimes we have this idea, okay? Well, I'm saved now. Man, I can go to church or people won't be after me. When are you going to get saved? When are you going to get baptized? Hey, it's over and done. I'm going to sit right here. I'm going to come and sit and listen, and I'm going home. You know what that is to me? That's a dead beat. A dead beat. Hear me well this morning. Listen, if you're saved, you follow the Lord in baptism, you need to be doing something for God, okay? There should not be a day pass if you come in contact with people that it, you don't share Christ in some way. Now, I'm not talking about walk up and throw your Bible in somebody's face. Hey, are you saved? No, you can do all manner of things that can draw people to Jesus. Just your kindness, your courteousness, buying somebody a meal. Ask them, say, hey, can I help you in any way? I've told you this and shared with you this many times before. Um, when a waiter or a waitress comes and takes your drink order and maybe brings the food right before you have the blessing is to say, hey, we're fixing to pray over our food. Is there anything we could pray with you about? And you'll be surprised. I've never, ever had one to say, no, I'm not interested. Most of the time, they will join hands with us. We don't have to know them, but they have said, hey, it's been a different thing. Pray for my husband to get a job. Pray for my family to come back together. Pray for my child has left home. Oh, listen, it's a nonstop thing. It is a witness to share Jesus with somebody. Uh, you know, I, well, you know, all of our youngins, and I've told them, in fact, listen, Friday night, we, Lynn and I had the biggest time. I mean, the biggest time we were able to work in the concession stand at the West Oak Ball Game, and we had a time. Say, yeah, I heard your mouth. Well, that's okay. Every time I'm asked to go in there, I'm going to be excited. I'm going to let folk know, hey, we got stuff and you need it. But this little girl came up to the counter, and I knew I recognized her. And she kept coming back and coming back. She said, you remember me? I said, baby, I remember that face. She said, I'm Sarah. I said, that's right, Sarah, the Good News Club. And a little bit, nothing to do. She'd come around inside the concession stand to hug me. And I said, listen, darling. I said, you're in the next level of school. Yes, sir. I said, you can share Jesus up there. I am. I am. And we try, we coach those kids in good news. That, hey, when, when this elementary part is over with, hey, the next level you keep on sharing Jesus. You get to high school, you share Jesus. You go to college or go to work somewhere, you share Jesus because you've got it in here. Unoccupied saints is Satan's prey. You know, they're idleness, they're inactive. Proverbs 6, 6 says, Go to the ant, you old sluggard, and consider her ways and be wise. You ever watched ants work? I love to just sit and watch them work, not fire ants, but regular ants. I know how fire ants work. They work together, buddy, let me tell you. But I've never, ever come up on an ant hill and saw one propped up watching them go by, you know. Oh, they're just working themselves to death. They, they're crazy. They don't have to. Now, I've never seen that. They all are doing their part. They're doing their thing. 
All right, starting right here with Lynn. Oh, this section here, you got this section here, and this section, this section, this section, this section. How many out of each section? You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to make no commitment to me. But at least, let me ask you, what if one person out of this section, this and this and this and this, what if one person out of every section this coming week, said God, I am going to witness to some lost person, and I'm going to do it in your name. Okay? Now, let me tell you something. I've heard people say, I witnessed to them, and they said, I don't want to have nothing to do with this. I'm so discouraged, I don't want to do it no more. Let me tell you something. You batted a thousand when you, when you shared Christ. Whether they accept Jesus or not, you batted a thousand. You put forth your effort in the name of Jesus. Listen, some of you and myself, we have golden opportunities every week because people come to us. People come to us. So don't be one of those unoccupied, laid back, saved, lukewarm Christians. Unoccupied saints become depressed. Think about Peter. Peter followed Jesus. Peter said, hey, Lord, I'll go with you all the way to the cross. Jesus said, son, you can't do that. I know you want to, but you're not strong enough to. Well, what did he do? (laughs) He went and sat down by a fire to get warm, declared he didn't even know him. Didn't even know him. Well, you know, see that, it's that unoccupied saint. Satan got a hold to him. And he denied the Lord. Secondly, listen, another consequence is uncontrolled self. That's Satan's product. David, a man after God's own heart, became uncontrollable. He saw, the Bible says he saw a woman taking a bath. How many of us take a bath with a raincoat on? (laughs) None of us. We don't do that. We get naked. She was naked. She was uh, taken aback. He was on top of his house, resting flat top houses. He saw her. Wow, boy, ain't she? Woo! Man. Called one of the servants. Hey, who is that? They said, that's, that's Bathsheba. That's, that's Uriah's wife. You kidding? No. Hmm, Uriah's in service. Tell her I want to see her in my chambers. They go tell her. She is an obedient servant, okay? She comes to King David. And I guarantee you she had probably no idea what was up. She was simply being obedient. She comes. The Bible says he laid with her. That simply means he had sex with her. Hello? She leaves. She goes home. She finds out, hey, there's something moving, you know. And it was a baby. He sends, she sends word to David. Say, hey, I'm with a child. I'm pregnant. What are you going to do? Well, David began to squirm, and he began to think, well, you know, I'm king. What am I going to do? So he gets in touch with Joab. Joab is the commanding officer under King David. He says, Joab, I want you to send Uriah home on furlough. The boy, I'm sure, needs a rest. Well, he he sends him home. Uriah comes in. David says, son, how you feeling? Well, I'm doing all right. Well, how's the troops doing? Well, they're doing okay. Well, how's the war prospering? Has anybody ever been in war and know that it be, be prosperous? How's the war prospering? 
I'll tell you what you want you to do. Go down, wash your feet, go down to your house, spend a little time with, with your wife, uh, Bathsheba. Spend a little time with her. Well, the Bible says he went down there, but he didn't spend a night. He didn't go in the house. And they brought the, ser- they, the servants brought word to David and said, hey, he went down there, but he didn't even go in the house. Calls him in. He said, why, son, I, I carried you down there. and gave you opportunity to be with your wife some, and you didn't do it. Why? He said, oh, king, my soldier buddies are living in tents. They're fighting right now. And you want me to go and spend the night with my wife? I'll not do it. David said, well, come back tomorrow, and then I'll send you back. When he comes back, the Bible says he began to drink. David began to drink, get him to drinking. First thing you know, you rise drunk, and he goes down to his house. Can't you see him just barely getting down there, sitting down on the steps? They brought David word again. They said, hey, he was drunk, buddy, but he didn't go in the house again. Tell him to come here. I'm going to send him back. And David wrote a letter, the Bible says, and addressed it to Joab, the commanding officer. Sealed up the letter. Uriah gets the letter. It's sealed up. So he has no idea what's in the letter because he cannot break the seal of the king. Right? He takes the letter. He reports back to the battlefield. He gives it to his commanding officer, Joab. Joab opens the letter, and the letter simply says from, hey, this is King David, what I want you to do with Uriah, I have discussed this with him, I want you to put him up on the front line in the hottest part of the battle, and when it's really a raging, you, you shout for your men to withdraw and leave Uriah standing out front. And, Uriah, and, you, and uh, Joab did that very thing. The Bible says that Uriah was killed. Here's David. He's an unoccupied saint. He's an uncontrollable self. And it bothers me to think about the third thing. Unconfessed sins. The Bible says he went on matter. I want you to think about something in your life. I think about something in my life. What is it in our lives that doesn't need to be there? When we think about being an unoccupied saint. Occupied with what, preacher? Occupied with prayer. Hey, that's the least thing anybody in this room can do is pray. How about Bible reading? Bible reading. Sunday school. Worship. All the events and mission work that goes on within the family of this church. Are you involved in it? You should be. If you're not, you should be. Go to any of these people. I guarantee you, go to any of us. Hey, I want to be involved in what you are. I've not yet hear one say, well, we got all we need. <laughs> I wish I could say, hey, preacher, we got some people wanting to join the church. That's okay. We got all we need. Why? Because there's not another seat in the house. I know. I wouldn't say that. If, if the choir couldn't come down and every section was packed out, hey, I'd put more chairs out. We'd put chairs. We'd do whatever it took. We'd stand up. We'd do whatever it took to get people in here because I don't want to be an unoccupied saint because it's Satan's prey. When we think about these things. You know, idleness, uh, be doing something. He said, well, I pray and I read my Bible. What else can I do? Get on the telephone. 
Call somebody. Say, hey, I missed you Sunday. Are you okay? Is there anything you need? Is there anything I can do for you? You know, most of the time when I ask people, is there anything I can do for you? You know what they say? You can pray for them. I say, well, let's do, we can do that. Let's pray for you and pray for you right now. You see, it's important, folk, to, uh, to um, reach out to people. We're not our own, by the way. The Bible says we are bought with a price. That means I don't belong to me. I belong to the Lord, and it's his business what he does with me. I don't have to like it. But if he speaks to me about what I should do or what I should preach or where I should go, I should do it without question. I don't have to answer to anybody in this world except God. Lynn don't have to answer to me. I don't have to answer to her. She and I have that understanding because we love one another. But we both know we have to answer to God Almighty. You know, the question is, is there sin in our life that we need to confess? If there is, hey, confess it. Just say, Lord Jesus, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. And I want, it, I want my sins forgiven. I want things right in my life. You see, this world, as I started out this morning, it, the, things is hard. It's not easy. You think of our young people right now. Think of our young people who's done graduated uh, from college and, and they've they got their first job. It's pressure. They want to do it right. What about those that uh, have just gone off to college and they're overwhelmed with all this stuff that they got to do if they're going to get there, if they're going to pass? It's pressure on them. What about those that are about will graduate from college this coming year? or this next graduating time, and they're looking for a job, and this seems like it just, you know, I apply, 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 and I don't get anywhere. I don't get anywhere. What do you do? You keep on searching. You keep on going, but for goodness sakes, don't sit down and say, well, nobody don't care. I'm just going to do nothing. No, I want you doing something, because God has something for you. Some of you, You've been putting off salvation. You've been hearing the word. You've been coming. You've been putting it off, putting it off, and putting it off. Why do you want to keep putting it off? This simply comes, hey, I want to be saved. I don't know what God wants of me, but I want to give my heart to him. Some of you have been coming a while, been visiting. Hey, we waiting on you to join some of you have been saved, never been baptized. Well, I'm just, I'm waiting. What for? We traveled all around over New York, and most of the wait time was waiting on a subway, but you didn't have to wait long. I mean, pull up, up the doors fly open, you better get on because the door's going to shut, and it's gone down another stopping place. I mean, that's life. Thank God for Westminster. <laughs> Wow. You know, I think, of the, I think of the times that I have been stopped because I broke the law, and rightfully so. And I always tell them, boy, just do your job. That's what you've been trained to do, you've been called to do, and I broke the law. You do your job. And sometimes they'll say, well, preacher, <laughs> they, they knew who I am. <laughs> I'm going to give you a warning you know what I think about? God in the Word gives us warnings every day we read the Word. He's given us warnings. Get ready. Get right. I'm coming. 
And we go right on. Well, I'm going to get around to it. I'm going to get around. How many of you remember? You don't have to raise your hand. How many of you remember the days you had to get your car inspected? Well, I'm glad they dropped that. I mean, (laughs) inspection. You know what? God has never, ever dropped his inspection. Never has, never will. His inspection is every day. Every time we read the word of God, it's inspection. God's looking at us and, hey, what are you going to do about this? We're being inspected, not only by God, but let me tell you something. The lost crowd or backslidden crowd are looking at us, inspecting us. Well, I'm as good as they are. I mean, I don't go to church, but... Hey, I, I give to organizations. I'm always helping people. I'm not in a fight with somebody. I'm, I'm as good as they are. In fact, I saw them down yonder the other night, and they were drinking and having a party, and they got ready Sunday morning and went to church. I'm as good as they are. Unoccupied saints, uncontrolled saints, unconfessed sin. Listen, the best thing to do is for us, I didn't say y'all, I said us to get it right. You mark it down as a Christian, every step you and I take, Satan is taking the same steps until we say, get away from me, Satan. That's what Jesus had to do. Get away from me. You know where you stand this morning. I know where I stand, and I know where God is. And he stands ready to forgive us, to cleanse us, to get us back on the right track. Father, in the name of Jesus... I pray that you'd touch hearts, touch lives. Lord, I want to I do what you want me to do. And Lord, it's not always easy. I, I realize and I know that. I, but Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Cleanse my heart. Hear my prayer. Lord, may I walk before you. May I be the example. Lord, I pray that you'd forgive me where I failed you. We think of this story in the Bible, a true story. It can happen to any of us. So I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be on guard, not only for ourselves, but to be on guard for others. Lord, be willing to reach out to those in need. In Jesus' name, amen.